Hello, HCI listeners. Welcome to another episode of Nine to Thrive HR, a podcast for the most pressing issues facing talent management today. A podcast that allows you to hear from experts and practitioners in the field. I'm Holly Pennebaker, HCI's Digital Content Program Manager, and your host for today. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a rating. It helps other talent-minded people discover the program. The title of today's podcast is Turning Workforce Guesswork into Talent Science Part 1, Getting Your Data in Order. In this podcast, we sit down with Ant Cousins, Director of Customer Success at Profinda, to look at the very debated topic in the future of workspace, harnessing the power of data. We first met Anthony Cousins in November of 2016 during a webcast sponsored by Profinda, and that one was called Harnessing the Power of Data, How Do We Leverage Our Opportunities for Success? The November webcast looked at some interesting audience data that I wanted to highlight at the start of this podcast, and which is also very relevant to the topic that we're discussing today. All of audience members asked, 72% voted yes. Capturing strategic people data is a priority for their organization. Of all audience members asked, 46% voted no, they weren't happy with the amount of people data available in the organization. And finally, 64% agreed that HR owned the responsibility for people analytics within the organization, but when asked who should own the responsibility for people analytics within the organization, almost half of the audience did not specify by a single department, but instead, They answered all of the above, referencing HR, finance, operations, marketing, and sales. Six months on, I'd like to welcome Ant back to revisit this topic. So Ant, if you could first introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background in this space for our audience members. Sure. Thanks, Holly. Uh, So yeah, my name is Anthony Cousins, and I'm the Director of Customer Success at Profinder.com. Uh, my background is about 17 years in the enterprise technology and organizational transformational change space, uh, largely focused around HR and cultural change programs. Um, so over that 17 years, I started off actually in, in straight IT, uh, progressed up through uh, service management into project management, um, and then did a brief foray into external communications and, and public relations for the armed forces uh, before coming back to enterprise-level change management. Uh, I did that for the British Ministry of Defence, uh, the British Army, uh, and at the Cabinet Office, I think the equivalent to your White House uh, in terms of organizational structure terms. Um, and then for the last three or four years, I've been doing that for ProFinder. So my role at ProFinder is about uh, advising companies, consulting companies on the data they have available on their people and how to maximize it. Um, so that's been mostly in the professional services sector, but also the legal sector. Um, and the engineering and construction sector. Um, So my role is effectively helping the clients understand um, what data they have available, what they can do with that data, the maximum potential of that data, uh, and then using it uh, in our system to maximize the availability of talent and organizing that that talent around work. So so that's what I'm up to right now. I'm actually in in Washington right now with a client, so enjoying the sunshine. Uh, Makes a change from the UK. Oh, we're glad you found the sun here. So looking back at the previous webcast, the panel highlighted a number of challenges around organizations not having the right data available to them, 
the data not providing the right responses they need and how actually we need to look into more sources and applications, not just HR and employee surveys, to get relevant people data. How are you seeing this develop in your space? Are you seeing companies become more and more open to leveraging new sources and data sets? Yeah, I think it's um, it's been pushed by by market uh, trends. You know, it's becoming ever kind of uh, complicated and ever um, ever pressing a concern for companies to make the most of their employee data. They're finding a battleground in this space between each other. Um, I think companies, uh, the, you know, the forward thinking companies, the technology companies, are really uh, pushing forward and really leading the way. And other companies are starting to pay catch with something to realize that in order to be competitive, um, they really do have to live up to that old mantra of, you know, making the most of your people. So um, it's been coming quite uh, increasing since, since we last spoke. Actually, I can see the difference. I can see the added impetus to companies pushing to make the most of their people data. Um, and it's, uh, it's been really helpful because I think um, six months ago or, or you know, a year ago, it was still really challenging to have conversations, uh, especially with the, the technology angle. Um, and the data privacy angle inside companies about not knowing what they could use, what they couldn't use, being very risk averse um, in this space. Um, but those walls are starting to come down, having much better conversations now with clients and their technology teams around being creative uh, and being kind of a bit more daring uh, in how they use data internally. So what was a taboo subject about a year ago um, around using email data, for example, um, to work out what your employees know, um, what connections they have, um, what clients they know and all that kind of knowledge um, was not uh, is not a discussion you could have had a year ago. But now we've got clients coming to us asking us, um, what can you do with email data? So I think, you know, as an example of one of the data sources within companies, it is, uh, it is a complete black hole uh, of knowledge right now in your companies that, you know, what an employee knows um, is pretty much written out in every single day in, in those emails. Um, and yet mining that data only in exactly the same way that we mine that data um, you know, uh, in our use of Google, for example, if you have a Gmail account, and Google is doing that to you right now. Um, you know, there's a reason why if you're looking for, for ski holidays, they're, they're putting up ski adverts. Uh, that, you know, that, that happens in our, in our daily lives. Um, but it's only now, I think, you know, coming on a, a year or so, only now is that kind of conversation becoming uh, acceptable inside, inside companies, realizing that all they have to do is switch the use of that technology from external to internal. Um, and there's kind of an accepted, uh, accepted use of it. So I think um, it's coming. On, it's come along a long way over the last kind of year or so. I'm seeing a lot of a lot more ambitious programs. Um, I'm actually working with a, a legal firm right now. Uh, yeah, on, on my trip here in Washington, doing some really exciting things, um, combining multiple data sources uh, to form an internal kind of data pool on on their employees. Um, I think not with um, a set goal in mind, but they realise, and this this has kind of been a, a long program for them. They realise that um, organising their data. Um, would be worthwhile. It would be valuable. They just weren't sure exactly how. Um, so now I've come along with, with dealing with with that uh, that huge pool of data on their employees. It's become you know uh, really uh, as a goldmine uh, of data, um, looking at uh, not just standard HR profiles but application profiles, um, the activities that employees do in those other applications on a daily basis. All of those activities and those actions, those triggered events. Um, tell you what employees are doing. They tell you what they know, who they know, what they're working on. All of that can now be leveraged uh, using not just artificial intelligence or natural language processing, but in some cases, pretty simple um, mathematics to work out what people know. Uh, so I I've seen it move a long, long way in the course of the last year. You know, even in the last six months, I'm having a completely different kind of conversation now with clients um, about what they can leverage um, in terms of data inside, inside the organization.
All right, thank you, Anne. And so can you reference any examples of organizations that you've seen that are doing this very well? Um, sure. So uh, actually, recently, there's been a, there's been a client that was uh, further down south, actually, in Atlanta. Um, but they've uh, taken that, that to the next level. So um, they had a number of applications internally, um, including CRM systems, uh, resource management systems, um, and kind of project delivery systems. Um, and they realized that it was inference um, they could use uh, to work out more about what their employees know. So for this is you know, an example, I'm going to mention the company, um, but looking through the CRM system, they could see who of their employees were being tagged um, against specific opportunities. And they could see that over time, certain employees were being tagged um, to certain specific kinds of opportunities, uh, sectors, um, client brand names. Um, and they realized this is kind of the, the, the burgeoning realization across the market right now. They realized that you could infer an awful lot from that data. Um, you could infer uh, client relationships. You could infer sectoral knowledge on behalf of those employees. Now, that's, um, that might seem obvious, but that is, I think, still, to a degree, a fundamental shift uh, in how HR tends to treat people data. Um, the classic HR systems, which require validation and, a, and an element of kind of bureaucracy and process, uh, for the employee to, to try and get a tag or, or a skill or a piece of knowledge on their profile. Um, it just doesn't really happen uh, because of that. I need to get my manager to sign off on it. There's a, there's a whole, you know, uh, maybe a competency framework to understand. So the, the chances of getting a large amount of data on employees is very, very small. Um, so for some research we did in the UK, actually, um, with a couple of professional services firms there, we found that uh, only 6% of employees had anything more than three skills uh, on their profile. Um, and yet when we spoke to the resourcing teams there, um, the skills that an employee had was the single most important thing to know about an employee and to know whether or not they were relevant for any particular client opportunity. So getting back to this example in Atlanta, they, they figured that out that um, if you think about data in a different way, that it ha doesn't have to be validated 100% accurate, all you need to do is infer and really have a little bit of guesswork in there that this, you know, all these combinations of data points might tell us this employee knows X. That's all you need to get to because then you can ask the employee. And I think that's the fundamental shift we're seeing is that, that the realization that if you give an employee a blank sheet and say, tell us everything you know, you're gonna get a blank sheet in response. But if you suggest to the employee, here's what we think you know, just confirm it or not, that's a much easier question. Uh, and you'll get a vast amount more data um, from that approach. So that's the approach this company took in Atlanta. It's actually the, the approach we're now taking with all of our clients. I'm, I'm doing the same thing in Washington with a legal firm right now, um, is what can we infer about employees and get them to confirm as opposed to just, you know, allowing the employee to, to write it out for themselves. Um, because we know, I think, mean, you know, you, you've probably come across this before in, in HR, in most of the programs I've worked on, this has been the case. You know, the, the lack of employee data is a huge problem. And there is now this, this change in attitude, this, this new way of, of getting that data by inference. Um, so that's been, that's been really interesting. And it, and it aligns with the wing conditions of the, of the employee. I think that the challenge we've had previously, of course, is that, you know, LinkedIn, as we know, knows more about your employees than you do. Uh, that's the case for pretty much every civilization in the world. Um, and that's the case because there is an inherent self-interest in the employee filling out a LinkedIn profile that eventually will be used to get themselves a new job. Um, so all of their previous experience, their skills, um, what they've worked on, the dates they worked there, the job titles they've held, the summaries, all that info locked up in LinkedIn um, and then effectively, as we know, kind of you know, sold to, to recruiters. So um, there's an inherent interest in the employee in having that profile on LinkedIn. There is no inherent interest in the employee filling out an HR profile. Um, 
so the other change we're seeing is aligning those win conditions that make the question really easy for the employee and you'll get more data. But even more importantly, if you can be clear with your employees, um, the reason why that data uh, will be valuable to them because you're going to use it to apply them to you know, more relevant projects. You're not going to tell them go to this project just because um, you're the nearest person available, but actually here's a project um, that aligns with your interests, aligns with your skills. Um, if they make that connection and they understand there's a win condition, there's, there's a benefit to them in doing so, you're also going to improve the quality of the data. And that, again, is the approach that um, not all, but a lot of the more forward-thinking companies are taking right now. It's, it's a competitive recruitment space in, in many industries. Um, so finding a way to differentiate your employee value proposition uh, based on uh, more employee empowerment and employee engagement um, is, is a second kind of facet of that, of that new forward-thinking approach and attitude that we're seeing in some of our clients. So um, I, think that, I think that answers your question. I might have diverged you know, ever so slightly there. All right. Thank you very much. And so what do you think the future looks like in this space? How can organizations move to a better, stronger position around harnessing data, specifically highlighting any recent innovations you've seen? Sure. So, um, I mean, clearly the, the artificial intelligence piece is, is huge right now. Um, you can't you know, read a blog without seeing mention of AI. And I just want to, speak, I want to take the opportunity to be a little bit more specific uh, about what that means and the potential of that, because that is, you know, that is the, the driving force in, in the space right now. The use of AI um, is, is the, the biggest innovation coming around. Um, so there's things you could do with your approach and your attitude towards, towards data, but the use of AI, specifically things like natural language processing. Um, you know, a, a lot of the, the information on employees, a lot of what they know is, um, is out there in abundance. It's in free text sources. Uh, it's in free text CVs. It's in emails. Um, it's in documents, um, et cetera. So um, natural language processing, the ability to apply algorithms to, to the content, uh, is, is, I think, one of the most innovative things around right now. I mean, that's where the vast majority of value add comes from employees. It's producing, um, you know, documents. It's producing uh, artifacts and products. Um, so if you can start mining those um, products, those, those artifacts themselves, and working out from that what people know, um, you're, you know, you're light years ahead still of, of a lot of companies out there. That's a real competitive advantage. Um, so natural language processing is one. Um, obviously, uh, matching algorithms, the use of uh, intelligent algorithms for search uh, is another. Um, we're seeing this especially in the really large organizations, the, the global organizations, where um, a standard keyword search just isn't cutting it um, because you know, employees don't know what they don't know about topics in, in some organizations. So helping employees ask better questions of their internal systems, um, specifically using matching algorithms and, uh, and artificial intelligence in that way, um, I think is also really fascinating. And we're seeing a lot of really good um, results from that. Um, so natural language processing um, and artificial intelligence. Um, and I think that change in attitude, that um, looking at data in a different way, um, the, um, the, the idea or the concept that you can have accuracy through quantity of data, uh, not having a very small amount of very sure data, but a huge amount of, of not quite so sure data gives you much, much better access uh, to your talent, much better view of your talent uh, across, across your workforce. All right. Thanks, Ant. And so at this time, we'll wrap up today's podcast. The second part to this series, turning workforce guesswork into talent science part two, ensuring success will be available in a couple weeks. So stay tuned. And thank you so much for spending part of your day with HCI. Thank you for having me. And always, we thank all of our listeners for tuning in. 
Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast if you enjoyed what you heard. You can find HCI on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Smart Radio, and on the YouTube channel HCI Talent. And once more, don't forget to rate HCI on iTunes. We'd so appreciate your five-star rating. If you'd like to dive deeper into employee engagement, please register for HCI's Employee Engagement Conference coming up July 24th through the 26th in San Francisco, California. Click the Attend a Conference button at the top of this page to learn more. And for Nine to Thrive and all of us here at HCI, thank you for listening.